Today we meet in Isaiah chapter 56 and 57. In these two chapters we look at the grand particulars of the future kingdom, the predicament of the present kingdom, contrast between the righteous and the wicked, comfort for the righteous and condemnation for the wicked. Isaiah 56 follows a pattern that goes back to that marvelous 53rd chapter of Isaiah, which tells of the salvation of the Lord, provided for lost mankind by the sacrifice of his son upon the cross. Now Isaiah the prophet returns to the nation of Israel and is speaking to his own people. The emphasis in this chapter is on ethics, not on events. The emphasis is on practice, not on prophecy. All of this should influence our living today. First, the grand particulars of the future kingdom. Thus says the Lord, Keep justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come, and my righteousness to be revealed. Isaiah 56 verse 1 The statement, My salvation is about to come, Apparently here shows that the prophet expected the establishment of the kingdom immediately. Although they made allowance for the possibility of an interval, they speak of it in the immediate future. Salvation is the national salvation of Israel. This is what is in the mind of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 11 verse 26 when he said, And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, They shall come out of Zion, the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. So anticipation of the coming salvation was to be an incentive to do justice, just as our hope of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is an incentive today to lead a holy and godly life. Blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who lays hold on it, who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and keeps his hand from doing evil. Do not let the son of the foreigner, who has joined himself to the Lord, speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Here I am, a dry tree. Isaiah 56 verse 2 and well, obedience here is tested by the opportunity for the observance of the Sabbath, which was to be a sign of the faithfulness of God's people when they showed their faithfulness to the covenant. The reference to the son of the foreigner and the eunuch indicates that no personal disabilities or ethnic heritage will actually exclude a person from God's kingdom, which is open to every man who will turn to the Lord in faith. In that day, the Gentile is not to feel that he is an outsider because of God's particular arrangement with Israel. In that day, a physical handicap will shut no one out of that future day. For the handicapped, 
the strangers and all outcasts are invited to accept God's gracious overture of a position that is better than a son or daughter and a security that is everlasting. This the Lord did not give. He is talking about the millennium kingdom. Also the sons of the foreigner who joins themselves to the Lord to save him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Isaiah 56 verse 6 and verse 7. Well, this is the verse from which the Lord quoted when he cleansed the temple the second time. It was God's original intention that the temple was to be for all people irrespective of their races, tongue, class or condition. It had long ceased to function as such in Christ's day. Also, the present-day church is as far removed from its primary objective as the temple. That means even for us today, outsiders must be able to come and pray and find salvation. But also from the church, the saints must be praying for other nations, for the people who are afar. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel says, Yet I will gather to him others besides those who are gathered to him. Isaiah 56 verse 8 The kingdom is to be worldwide in its extent and will include members of every family of the human race. God says in that day they are going to go out after other folk. They will look for other people. Now, what is the predicament of the, pre the present kingdom? Now that we have seen the marvelous view of the future kingdom, Isaiah returns to the predicament of the kingdom of his day, and we see the same problems as we look around us today. All you beasts of the field come to devour, all you beasts in the forest. Isaiah 56 verse 9. Now, our vision is now shifted from the lofty contemplations of the glorious future kingdom to the sorry condition of the then existing kingdom. God was permitting the nations of the world to come in like wild and ferocious beasts, and they were robbing and pillaging his people. Assyria had already broken in, and Babylon was soon to break in. Later, others would come to plunder and destroy. God permitted nations to come against Israel. The question is asked, why? Because Israel failed him so. Now note this remarkable verse. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Isaiah 56 verse 10. This is a picture of the prophets, my friend, and the priests who spoke for God in that day. 
God permitted the enemy to take Jerusalem because of the weak and inadequate leaders of the people. They were blind. They were ignorant. They were dumb dogs. And in the New Testament, Paul warned the people to beware of dogs in Philippians chapter 3 verse 2. He was referring to the false teachers and the preachers who were not declaring the full counsel of God. They were like dumb dogs who did not bark when there was danger. It was easy for them to keep quiet. Yes, they are greedy dogs which never have enough. They are shepherds who cannot understand. They all took to their own way, everyone for his own gain, from his own territory. Isaiah 56 verse 11. This actually fits the description of Paul when he described either even in First Timothy, even giving warning to Titus about the false teachers, people who make godliness a means to financial gain. All, who, all that they will do is simply to try and feed themselves bad shepherds. They are greedy dogs. They are concerned with their own personal interests rather than the welfare of the people. So pertinent for today's society where many preachers are all over the place and all they talk about is money, 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 money. Give money and God will heal you. Give money and this will happen when in actual fact they are feeding themselves. Come, one says, I'll bring wine and we will fill ourselves with intoxicating drink. Tomorrow will be as today and much more abandoned. Isaiah 56 verse 12. You see, these people drowned their sad plight and condition in drink, and they faced the future as drunkards and blind optimists. Now, I, I would grant it to you, my friend, that today the wicked have it easy, and they are the ones who are living in comfort. They are the ones who have a lot of money, and they seem to be on the top. But my friend, when we come to the end of the age, it will be comfort for the righteous and condemnation for the wicked. That is our hope. As we move on to Isaiah chapter 57, please note that Isaiah 57 marks the end of the second section of the final division of Isaiah, which I labeled the salvation of the Lord which comes through the suffering servant. Those who come in humility and accept it are made righteous. Those who reject it proceed on their wicked way to judgment. Also, this chapter brings us to the crossroads where the way that leads to life goes one way and the broad way that leads to destruction goes another way. The destination and division are right here. First, the contrast between the righteous and the wicked. The righteous perishes, and no man takes it to heart. Merciful men are taken away, while no one considers that the righteous is taken away from evil. Isaiah 57 verse 1 Now, it is an established fact that many of God's wonderful saints are being taken away today through the doorway of death. Some are dying, some are being persecuted. And God is removing them from a lot of trouble that is going to come even in the future. He shall enter into peace. 
They shall rest in their beds, each one walking in his uprightness. Isaiah 57 verse 2. You see, the righteous shall have peace in his heart. If death comes to him while he is in his bed, he will be removed from the great tribulation and will be taken into the presence of Christ. They will have peace regardless of what may come to them. But come here, you sons of the sorcerers, you offspring of the adulterer and the harlot. Isaiah 57 verse 3. Now God addresses the wicked. Even their ancestry is labeled bad, not the label that is given to the mothers, adulterer and harlot. Whom do you ridicule? Against whom do you make a wide mouth and stick out the tongue? Are you not children of transgression, offspring of falsehood? Isaiah 57 verse 4. Here attacks are being made upon the righteous today. They are not having an easy time. The attacks are coming hard and fierce and the wicked seem to get by. But when we get there, it won't be. The attacks will be on the evil one. Inflaming yourselves with gods under every green tree, slaying the children in the valleys under the clefts of the rocks. Isaiah 57 verse 5. You see, the wicked in the last days are the idolaters who have turned their backs on God. They are guilty of gross immorality and murder. Adultery and murder are two of the terrible sins of our day also, coupled with covetousness, which basically reduces to idolatry. This is the condition of the wicked at the present time. Now idolatry, associated with the grooves on the mountain tops gives place to sins of the vilest immorality. Also behind the doors and their post, you have set up your remembrance, for you have uncovered yourself to those other than me, and have gone up to them. You have enlarged your bed and made a covenant with them. You have covered their bed where you saw their nudity. Isaiah 57 verse 8. In the past, men were ashamed of their sin, but today they are not. What could not even have been widespread about a few years ago is gone into the open today. Sin has become a way of life. There is no longer high standards. The wheat and the tares are actually growing together exactly as the Lord Jesus said they would. We see the contrast between the righteous and the wicked all through this section. Now we move on to the comfort for the righteous. Because there may be a feeling that says it looks a gloomy world, but there is a comfort for the righteous, my friend. In the second division, Isaiah speaks of God's comfort to the righteous. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity whose name is Holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Isaiah 57 verse 15. You see, God comes down to many people in mercy and grace in order to comfort and revive those who are contrite and humble 
in spirit. God never loses his exalted position, but he reaches down to lift men up through the mediator, Jesus Christ. As Paul teaches Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry, for the spirit would fail before me, and the souls which I have made. Isaiah 57 verse 16. God is the eternal God, but he will not always be angry with sin, because sin is to be removed. For the iniquity of his covetousness, I was angry and struck him. I hid and was angry, and he went on backsliding in the way of his heart. Isaiah 57 verse 17. Here you see God explains why he punishes the wicked. The wicked are covetous and they go on in rebellion against God. Well, I am sure that any intelligent person knows that a holy God will one day stop all rebellion. God will have to punish those with rebellious and proud hearts. I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will also lead him and restore comforts to him and to his mourners. Isaiah 57 verse 18. You see, now for those who will forsake the wickedness of their ways, God will heal and save them. He is a gracious God towards the righteous. I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him who is far off and to him who is near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. Isaiah 57 verse 19. Well, the phrase, to him who is far off, refers to the Gentiles, and the phrase, him who is near, refers to the Jews. You see, God alone can speak peace to the heart of the sinner, whether Jew or Gentile. That's the comfort of the righteous. But the condemnation of the wicked continues to stand. Now, each one of these last divisions can be marked off at the place where God says, as he did in Isaiah 48 verse 22, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. And I think this is something that is quite evident. Man's history is one of warfare and constant conflict. It is not only true among the nations, but also between individuals, although they call it competition. You will find it in business world, in the social world, and even in the religious world. You will find conflict in practically every town, every hamlet, and in every, in many homes in your nation on our continent. Now God says that there is no peace for the wicked. You cannot make peace in the human heart apart from God. So far, no one has been able to do it. But the wicked are like the troubled sea, when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up myrrh and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Isaiah 57, verse 20 and verse 21. You see, this is probably one of the most picture-square descriptions of the wicked in Scripture. The wicked are like the troubled sea, when it cannot rest whose waters cast up myrrh and dirty. Like the troubled and restless sea, 
the wicked person can find no rest or peace in his wicked ways. He continues on like a hunted criminal, looking for deliverance and safety. Now, if the world can have peace today without God, then it is a contradiction of the word of God. You cannot contradict the word of God, however. The wicked cannot have peace in the world, and they don't have it today. God says that the wicked will have no peace, and this is an axiom of God, and it is like the law of gravity. It works. It is unchangeable. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send a WhatsApp message or SMS to plus two seven seven two six four one four four seven five. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. I'll repeat that number for you. It's country code 27 followed by 7264144475. From within South Africa, it's 072-641-4475.